Hey everybody, this is Brian Katz and I'm coming to you from San Francisco for a very special edition of the MobileCast. And for those of you that don't know, today was Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference and they had their keynote. And I am lucky enough to have Ben Baharan and John Kirk with us from Tech Pinions. And we're actually just going to talk about what we saw, what we think, what we liked, what we didn't like, what was missing, and we'll see what happens. So... Ben's been a guest before, but I'm going to have him introduce himself, and then John, and then we'll get going. I'm Ben Beharin, uh, analyst of Creative Strategies, writer for TechPinions, and Time. I'm John Kirk, I'm also a writer for TechPinions. Okay, guys, so we came in, we saw Tim Cook open up uh, WWDC. What was the most significant thing you saw there, Ben? I thought the most significant thing was iOS 7. Um, I think there was... Pretty minimal expectations and things of what we were we were going to see here at WDC, and I don't think many really expected a fundamental redesign of iOS. I thought that you know most people were just expecting maybe some icon changes, some visual looks, but I think Apple really blew a lot of people away by bringing that up to you know, really modernizing it. I think in a way that 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 makes it you know ultra competitive with with mobile operating systems today, but also added again not just some visual, you know, whiz-bang, some rural functionality that's, ad- that's added to its usefulness. John, what do you see? Well, I agree with Ben that um, iOS 7 was probably the big headliner, but I was also very interested in the fact that they started it out with the Mac, spent about 45 minutes on it, and they put a lot of time into that part of the presentation. It was really interesting. They made it very, very clear that the Mac is a big part of their future, and then, of course, they, they, the cherry on the uh, Sunday was that they ad- introduced the new uh, Mac Pro. And um, I think uh, I might leave this up to you to say the the best line of the day was. Oh, uh, no, you, you get to keep it. You well, get to keep it. They, they, they finished up with a Mac Pro and they said, uh, can't innovate my ass. Uh, so they clearly wanted to show people that uh, they were able to uh, bring out innovative products. And if you saw what they had today, I think most people would agree. Yeah, it was interesting. Phil Schiller had that quote. And directly after that, they had a shot of the Waz who made a <laughs> comment about Apple not innovating. Um, I'm going to agree with Ben a little bit here. I think that iOS 7 was the big headliner, but you know, it was very clear watching this, and let me just warn people, there is music in the background. We couldn't do anything about that. Hopefully we overtake that. But um, you know, with, it was very clear here as you watch the show that they divided into two parts. One part was completely Mac and OS X focused. The other part was iOS 7 focused. And you know, we have new MacBook Airs that are out today. Um, the Mac Pro, which is very long in the tooth, somewhere between four and six years, and people have been begging for one forever. And, you know, it's a beautiful machine, and the number of expandable ports on the Mac, you know, they announced it, Thunderbolt 2 ports, twice as fast as the Thunderbolt 1, bi-directional, and they don't have just two. They have six of them. Yep. You know, and there was some real innovation behind the Mac Pro. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the key takeaways that hit me when you just looked at how this, this whole keynote was split was the, the two uh, major themes that they hit, which was, one, you know, we're not abandoning our pro audience, which is, again, a very small audience. And the fact that, you know, when you get to see and look at just not just the pictures, um, but just some of the things that's, that's going on inside the Mac Pro and just the, the marvel of engineering that it is to put, you know, dual you know, workstation-based GPUs in there, all the Xeon cores, and all of that in such a small, you know, container, and all the engineering that went into it for what is really a very small audience, you know, for Apple. Um, is, I think it's very impressive, and it sends that message that they're not abandoning their, their Mac Pro community. 
while at the same time, you know, really focusing on iOS as a true mobile platform, they're really taking a philosophical stance now versus what Microsoft's been doing, which is really making compromises both on desktop and mobility. And they're drawing that clear line in the sand and saying, we're going to continue to make specific innovations both for our mobile platforms and for our desktop platforms. I mean, the one good thing is that SNL is over for the season because <laughs> yeah. the Mac Pro, it, it looks like, you know, one person described it as a garbage can. One person described it as a uh, the toilet cleaner, toilet brush holder. Yeah. You know, this thing is small and it's got a built-in handle. It looks sleek, but it looks a little interesting. Well, one thing about the Pro that's really interesting, it means absolutely nothing, and yet it means absolutely everything, was that they, they built in a motion detector so that when you spin it around, the ports light up so that you can you can uh, put in uh, things. That's just like the kind of typical little Apple touch. It, it really... It's, it's not key or it's not crucial, but yet they put a lot of effort into this. You could really see this is a beautiful, beautiful machine. And they're really, you know, they're also feeding to the accessory makers, etc. You know, it's it's Thunderbolt expansion ports. You know, you're not putting arrays of discs inside it anymore. It's, they've pretty much built the module. If you look at what they put in there, you know, twice as fast as the fastest chips for the older Mac Pro. The GPU was twice as fast. Um, it's set up to handle 4K screens now, yeah. and the multiple 4K screens. You know, all I, three three John says so he remembers better than I do. And you know, this is for people who audio, video editing, photo, photographers. Um, I think it's overkill for a developer, but I don't know. Sure, how. sure. Well, you know, and at the same time, it's going to be made. You know, in the U.S. You know, I have yet to see much speculation on what this thing's going to cost, but. Um, it's not going to be cheap. Uh, I don't think any way that we uh, we analyze it's going to get have those costs come down. So they were so proud of themselves when they were revealing the numbers. All I could think of uh, was that this was tech porn. I mean, uh, they, they they were hammering these numbers, yeah. and I have a feeling that this, 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 the I couldn't even begin to assimilate all the stuff they were throwing at us. But uh, I think they're very very proud of this. Yeah. And, and when yeah. you see the numbers and and the, the what they got out of that machine is, is incredible. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, going back to what I thought the most significant thing, as much as I think iOS 7 was extreme, was probably the most significant thing, to me it was the opening video. You know, they did about a three-minute video at the very beginning, which is beautiful. Um, and you don't normally describe videos at a tech conference. It's beautiful. But, you know, the message was in there. You know, we have, for every yes, we say no to a thousand things. Um it's not just simplicity. It's all, all these things have to come together and alive. And, you know, in some ways it's, you know, the spirit of Steve Jobs, not that I really want to bring him up here, but, you know, that's still alive and well and that design philosophy is there. And it's all there in order to get that signature um, made by Apple in California. And, you know, you could see that permeate throughout everything they um, showed today. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the key takeaways is... You know, and I and I go to a lot of these conferences. You know, I go to Google I/O, I go to Microsoft's conferences. I'll build it. I'll be at Build. You know, at the end of this month. And one of the things that is just constantly a, a theme when Apple makes these products is is that they're always more useful. They're adding usefulness to it. And even if they don't drastically overhaul something, like I think you know both OS X has been and iOS up to this point, you know they haven't been shake you know shake ground shaking you know differences in, in the visual appeal, but they've always added little bits of usefulness and functionality. 
And I think this was a time where, again, more of that came. I mean, just some of the stuff that they added to OSX is just, it's really useful. You look at it and you're like, that's great. I know I can use that. I'm going to find value there. And even what they've done with, with iOS was even more, you know, monumental because now it's just a fundamental paradigm shift in how we use this device. And again, it's not just visually appealing. I think it's also just much more functionally more useful. Uh, I agree with you about the video. That was so impressive, and it was the very first thing they showed, and they very clearly wanted to highlight it. And what was interesting about it was, I think it was both a statement of who they are and a statement of who they are not. And they wanted to, in some ways, it was a slap in the face of their their critics in saying, you're criticizing us for the wrong thing. This is who we are. This is where we're going. This is this is what Apple does. And, and you really need to focus on, on the... They were making a statement as to what, what they were, were and where they were going, and... Uh, I was very impressed with it. Yeah, I mean, I think if we look at the, if we look, just look at the first part on the Mac, and you know, they did a little bit on iCloud um, with their new iWorks for iCloud. I would say, you know, they're not target. They, they targeted Microsoft a little bit, but a lot of the target was more on Google. I felt, you know, as I'm watching some of this, you know, iWorks and iCloud is competitive to Google Docs and Office 365. That's yeah. what I looked at, and the functionality in a browser actually look better to me based on having used both of those Um, as much as we um, malign Apple for its maps the fact that you know they've added a lot of the features that Google had you have the cards now you can easily if you do do a route on your Mac you can now push it right to your phone and when you open up it opens up to navigation things like that Um, you could see you know they didn't come out and say this is who we're targeting but, you know, it's like they're filling in features that kind of like, well, this is what's on Chrome, this right. is what's here. Right. And I saw some of that today. Well, you know what's interesting, too? I don't want to dive into this a lot, but there was a lot of very interesting little competitive nuggets, I think, that they released. You know, for example, you know, I, 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 Office is not on any – on the iPad, right? It's not on other products. Yet Apple said, well, we actually have a way to bring our competitive product to the Windows operating system via a browser. Who, who would have thought that a Windows 8 machine would be on stage in an Apple totally. keynote? But, but what was interesting was that I was thinking that, well, and that he never touched the screen and he used a mouse yeah. and we never saw Metro. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting because what if, what if Apple's philosophy to bring more of their services, like maybe even something like iRadio um, or either... Well, um, iRadio is on the PC. They did say right, through available the, through on iTunes. Mac or PC. But, but what about other services? What about other things that are Mac proprietary that they can bring to Windows without writing the software but bringing it through the desktop? Like think about iLife, for example, which does not exist. iLife, FaceTime, That's which right. does exist as Skype, but you know, you know, there are those pieces. Let me skip back to iOS 7 just for a second. I was thinking while you, you gentlemen were talking about how so many of the things that I saw, there were so many pieces there. I kept thinking, and, and in some ways this is a something people say but it's like I kept thinking well my mother would understand that well my mother could do that you know and some of the things like the multitasking double click and it works no better than the multitasking now but the way it shows up and it's visual it immediately you you intuitively grasp it whereas right now I think it's a little bit tricky and I think that you could say that same thing about a lot of the things that they added was it's all about Let's make this simple. It sounds like Johnny Ive all over the place. Yes. You know, let's make this functional. Let's make this simple. Let's make this elegant. You know, let's make this work. And I think a lot of the touches were like that in iOS 7. And I know Ben doesn't want to go here, but I'm going to do one other competitive thing. I know they came up with a slide that was talking about user satisfaction. Yeah. And, you know, um, they focused on very satisfied. And they were looking at um, phone OS or mobile OSs. 
And, you know, if you looked at the slide, Apple iOS had something like 73 or 79%. Right. The closest competitor was 20 points below it. Then Android was, for, you know, but what was interesting is as I watched the tweet stream, all that you saw was everybody who was a Microsoft fan is, look at us, we're at 50-something percent. <laughs> we're in second place. And, you know, it wasn't that we were going after Apple. It's look how good we are compared to Android yeah. and this other stuff. Right. And, I, you know, I just I couldn't help but see that in my tweet stream sure. and laugh when I saw that. Well, and I think, you know, there's going to be a lot that go on from a platform standpoint, you know. And I think, you know, even if you just look at, you know, what I think a potential big announcement is, and we can interpret this any way we want, is that Bing is now the search part for Siri. And, you know, when I thought about that, I thought, you know, really, it's not like Bing is any better at anything. Like, there's no logical reason to make that choice other than there's just clear lines being drawn with Google. And as long as the results work, you're not seeing the visual display of Bing, you know, and so as long as they, get, they work for you, you really actually don't care, right, how Siri yep. works. But I thought that was fascinating. You know, because that's, you know, I've always thought that Siri was a way that, that, that Apple has wanted to usurp the search experience from Google. And by now not using them as an engine, I think that certainly, you know, points in that direction. But that's even something that they have embraced with Microsoft, you know. And, and I think, to be honest with you, I, I, I think over the next few years, you might actually see Microsoft and Apple become a little bit more close in some of the ways that Google and Apple had been close prior to uh, their falling out, if you will. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Your discussion of Siri reminds me that many things were accepted with huge applause and cheers, but, but several other things were, were the reception was muted. And I think that's because um, there have been some disappointments in some of the things that have come out in the past, and people were saying, well, you're going to have to show me that this is going to work. Now, they, they talked about advancements to Siri, and everybody was like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see how that works. And they, they talked about maps, and everybody was like, yeah, okay. And there were a couple things like that. And I, it's not that the, the features that they brought out were not good. It's just that people are saying, I need to see Pro- how this works. It prove it to me. Because of what's come before. But there were some also some things where, where were very impressive and people cheered for it. So, so let's, let's talk about some of the things that we were disappointed we didn't see. I'm, I'm going to go to okay. iOS 7. I mean... I'll start. I was, you know, because I heard a bunch of people complain about it. Um, with Siri, they, it doesn't do any local processing. You know, they said, you know, before we got Siri, if I could say, call so-and-so, it processed it on the phone, it was done automatically. Right. And they worry because, you know, the servers are busy, there's that. Um, I was not disappointed by the quote-unquote flat look. It didn't look that flat to me. It, it looked a little, I'm not used to the home screen. But right. it didn't. It didn't. Um, I don't have the aversion to it that other people said. A, you know, there are shadows and there's stuff like that. But um, that was one of the things that was missing. Um, I'll let you pick one or two things. And yeah, I mean, I, it, without the full sort of SDK, I mean, I was I was hoping for, and I guess this is more iPad specific, but multi-user login. You know, I really think that this is a big deal. I think people are not necessarily their phones, but I think they're using their tablets, their iPad in communal environments. So, you know, maybe they didn't release, maybe they will, but I really think that that's an important use case for um, a lot of these things. And to be honest with you, there was a lot of security stuff that. I don't think they mentioned. I didn't, you know, look at that list that you know that we were talking about earlier. But I would have liked to have seen some more stuff that really caters to how it's being used in enterprise. Um, I think there are some things there that will come out, but I would have definitely liked to see a real message on, look, we're going to make this work for everybody in every environment. I, I agree with you on the multi-user. I remember saying that afterwards, and it's interesting on the security stuff because we saw it on slides, but 
nobody here knows what it means. So what was something that you thought was missing? Well, this is a developer's conference. Two things I could think of off the top of my head were with Siri, for example. I think developers would like to be able to use Siri to access their apps and be able to use them more, and that didn't show up today. Another thing was uh, interactivity, uh, which is, of course, always hampered by the philosophy of sandboxing. The the sharing function. The sharing functionality. I I didn't hear anything about that today. These These are the kind of things that end users don't, care about, but they care when the results get to them, and the developers care about very deeply. I didn't hear anything about that. Did I miss it? I thought Siri actually had more ability to work. I thought the SDK allowed them to do that, but they didn't talk about it enough. They didn't, and I think we'll have to see what comes out. I do think there's limitations there. There was some apps that it was working with. I don't think it was all. Um, You know, there's another part that I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I pretty confident this is probably the case. It didn't look like developers could leverage Control Center. It looks like Control Center was a fixed set of, of yeah. applications, including the flashlight. So I don't think you can change that. That would have probably been nice for developers to say, well, maybe I can add some elements to Control Center, um, you know, given how useful that is. I, I, I thought it was funny. I saw a tweet that said, Apple has just, Apple's just ended the ad-supported flashlight um, That's true. app. From, and developers <laughs> will be complaining. And the only other thing that stood out for me, which... You know, based on, you know, people were inferring based upon um, Tim Cook's um, All Things D interview was the fact that you, that we might see things like Swift Key or Swipe come in and actually be able to replace the keyboard. And, you know, that's a disappointment because, you know, we all here use different devices and we test different devices as part of what we do. You know, I do it as part of my enterprise job. You guys do it as analysts and writers. And... You know, I like the Swift Key keyboard. I've been right. using it for years on Android. I remember yeah. when they first came out. I'm not as big a fan of Swipe, but, you know, I have friends who, they're all over it. And to me, those sorts of things, that's a disappointment not yeah, to see. Yeah, definite shout-out to Swift Key. You know, not just because I'm friends with Joe Braid, Braidwood, but Dev- I, I, that's my first app I install on every Android device. It's, it's default for me. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think that that's being ruled out. I think, you know... My perspective on it could be this is one, a huge leap forward, maybe let people adapt to that before you start letting elements of personalization. Um, that's probably, but to your point, I think one of the things I would really like to see come to this is personalization. Now, interestingly, that's a huge deal in China. When you see the main reason that Chinese consumers are jailbreaking their iOS devices, it's to take it to levels of personalization that fit their weird, quirky personalities and nature, and it's things that they want to do that they can't do. And so I think that's key for the China audience. And again, it might not be day one. I I hope Apple goes there. This might just be, let's let people get their feet wet with this new UI, and then over time roll out these much more powerful functions. Yeah, and actually, he called out China, because I remember one of the features was um, Tencent Weibo. Sino Weibo, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that they've actually made way for that. And, you know, I think that's big. And, you know, just looking at it, you know, we know that when they introduce a new device which will come in the fall. Right. You know, they'll probably be, oh, by the way, there are these two or three other features that we really haven't been sure. telling anybody about, Without and maybe doubt. that's personalization, maybe that's right. something else. You yeah. know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. So Yeah. One thing I noted off the top of my head that might not have come up is that I thought Tim Cook seemed very, very relaxed today and more... It's not that he's not sincere, but I think it's a lot of hard work for him to um, to do these presentations. I don't think that's his normal mode. And he did very little presenting today, but he seemed very into this, 
very upbeat, and uh, it was just my feeling that he was very genuine today and uh, really enjoying himself. Yeah, and I, I actually thought it was interesting that we didn't see Johnny Ive on stage. He was front row, and you know, and he did a video or two, and they shot him a couple times. But you know, I just thought it was his influence is so there. And you talked about the video, and I will be going through his video again because there are a couple of quotes that I actually want to yeah. take from there, which you know really grabbed me, but. You know, let's take let's take a couple minutes into iOS seven. So, we liked it. What jumped out at you? Yeah. What didn't? What you know, like for me? The flatness. There's shadow. There's other stuff. But the home screen looks a little bit different. But once I got past that, there are a lot of things that I like. But you know, why don't we start with you, Johnny? You know, what stood out for you in uh, iOS seven and what you saw? Well, let me do sort of a down thing first. I guess they have something called parallax. Do I, am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the idea is, you you know, there's a little depth to the perception to it. And I think it could be a very, very cool feature, but it is also a very, very unnecessary, useless feature. But you, you have your icons in the front and the, the things that are behind it actually move as you as you turn and, and look at your... It, it gives it depth. And that might be something that really adds a feel to the phone. So I don't want to prejudge it, but it's not necessary. But it was a very cool feature. Um, in terms of... Well, let me pause there and let you guys go ahead. I think the thing that you know really stood out to me was multitasking. I mean, I think that has been something, and quite quite the compliment to WebOS because the multitasking is almost identical, if not identical, to, to WebOS. And, and, and let's be clear here: I was a WebOS fan, so yeah, me you know, too. Happy to see the cards. And I, I thought the card view, the flicking delete. I mean, again, and. and I thought WebOS really nailed it, right? So why change multitasking? That was a great way to do it. So I don't think Apple needed to take multitasking to some new level. I think you know WebOS did it so well. But 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 hang on, before you go past multitasking, what I liked about it was they've gone past where you know when they did in in the iPhone four, it was we need to save battery life, so we're going to put right. it to sleep except for right. two or three things. And what they basically said here was we've made the APIs and SDKs freely available to you. You can now background multitask as much as you want. We'll even be intelligent about it. So right. if every right. morning you look at this one app, before you, we're going to update it in the morning for you. We're not going to update it in the middle of the day because you never look at it. You know, and making that open to everybody. I think that that's, that's catching up a little bit with everybody sure. else. And I think you know, that's a real nice piece to it. Yeah, and I think, and even to just to stay on multitasking for a second, I, I do think that the way they intelligently manage background tasks for app uh, syncing is key. But to be honest with you, multitasking, I think, is really going to revolutionize the iPad. I think when you, when you start to now bring the iPad into true computing environments, which I think one can argue is the ability to quickly snap between tasks on OS X or even Windows is you know, one of the things that's great about the PC form factor. And being able to just effectively and efficiently breeze through applications and jump in and out, and I think it's just really going to do huge things for the iPad. So multitasking to me was that one that when I saw, I was like, you know, that's probably my favorite feature of, I, of iOS 7. I can't believe that people are prejudging the uh, the new look. I've heard some people say, "Well, I don't like the icons." It's like, oh, give it a break, you know. I mean, take a few seconds to see, you know, whether you what, how it feels when you use it. And it wasn't just the icons; it's not just a coat of paint. Um, they they have definitely made some changes to the interface. And uh, Johnny Ives touches all over this about you know how it can be more functional. And I, for one, am going to wait until I get my thumbs on it before I make a judgment one way or the other. And I have a feeling, just from the little I saw, I was very impressed. Yeah, you, you guys um, weren't able to go to the later session with the developers, mm -hmm. the state of the platform. And, you know, it's interesting. Most of the buttons are gone. 
So they're kind of using different colored text to tell people it's a button. Um, it's more everything edge to edge. Right. Um, they simplified the fonts so it looks cleaner. Um, you know, they've put a bunch of stuff in there. For example, um, one of the things they talk about is you can actually go into the settings and if an app uses it, you can adjust the text to make it bigger. So, you know, I have a bunch of people I see throw their glasses on every time they take right. their phone out, right. take it out of their pocket. And if the app uses that setting, it will actually make the text more readable. And, you, you know, we watched it on the screen. And, you know, from that perspective, it was, it was very clean, very clean lines. Um, you know, they talk a little bit about translucent, so you can see things as right. they come up. Context, and, it, you know, yeah. very clear. You know, what I liked about it was kind of natural. You could see what was coming. You could kind of anticipate. Um, you know, the one thing, I tweeted this out during the thing, and one of the things that really struck me you know, both with iOS 7 and with OS X, OS X um, 10.9, Mavericks it's called, um, they've moved away from the lot, from yes, the cats, right. was the fact that it occurred to me that Apple's going very contextual here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Google has that with Google now, but for example, when they showed the calendar on Mac OS X, OS X what they did was, if you do something around lunchtime, it'll suggest restaurants. It'll look at travel time and add that right. to the appointment if that's what right. you want. And, you know, that stuff, that same thing happens on iOS 7, and you start to see that there's context here. Right. The same thing with updating the apps and all. And this is, you know, I'm a big believer that really the next wave in computing is contextual computing. Looking at what you're doing, figuring it out. You know, it goes back to our wearables conversation. Right. Right. You know, my devices tell me when I've been sitting too long or right. you might be getting hungry or whatever else. And, you know, I think that seeing Apple actually make that step, but yeah. they didn't talk about it. They didn't say, hey, right. we're talking contextual. They just said, here's how it works, and it was, it was a story. It was a little bit easier to follow. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, we, when we look at what's happening kind of over, by and large, with, you know, the two dominant platforms being, you know, Android and, uh, and now iOS, you're seeing more of what I like to call these experiences that anticipate me, you know. We're meeting up, so... Where should we go, or, or how long will it take to get there? Right. These are great examples of it kind of knowing and anticipating my future actions, and then providing additional value to me. And that, in my opinion, is how we're moving really to smart devices. You know, these devices right now, I think they're they're somewhat smart. I think they have a lot smarter that they can get. And these types of experiences that are more anticipation based, I think, is really when they start to deliver their smart value. I was just thinking as we were talking here, and overall, if you're a person who liked what Steve Jobs did, if you're a person who thinks that Apple is more than just a company but also a philosophy, if you're a person who wants that to continue, you have to be really encouraged by today. Johnny Ives' touch was everywhere. It was on the hardware. It was on the software. It was on the philosophy. He is the spiritual heir of Steve Jobs, and, and he is he clearly he, he doesn't say much. He's very quiet in the background, but he's everywhere in the background. And if you're a person who who thinks that that uh, Apple and Steve Jobs, you know, had a vision, I think that he is the person that may be keeping that vision, uh, that that flame alive. Well, and I think he was always a big part of vision with Steve. I don't think Steve's visions were isolated and in a vacuum. Um, but I do think I think I agree. I think what we're seeing is some of these, you know, some of his fingerprints on these things. And again, I, you know, to the video that that you were talking about, Brian, I think that's. 
That's his, his point of his appreciation of things in simplicity and eliminating complexity. And I think that that's something that you, know, you can rally behind because that's what a lot of people value is that these experiences are, are also powerful but also very simple. Yeah, I, I think the, he made a comment, and I, I'm going to get the quote wrong, so I don't really want to quote it. It's one of the things I want to go back where he said, simplicity is not the absence of complexity. You know, and, and it was really resonating because you know it went to the flat design that people were worried about and all these other pieces, and it was more simplicity is making complex things easier to do. Right. And, and, and you know, I'm, that's not a quote. He said it much more elegantly than I did, um, but it resonates as you look at it. And I, you know, I can't speak for whether it's going to be a bigger screen that we get on the next device or what. But I am looking forward to putting it on my device later tonight, which I don't know whether you guys have that option yet or not. Johnny, I have said it more elegantly than any any of us could, is what he did. I mean, it's amazing how he puts it, that philosophy into words. Hidden things that popped up that, that you think might make a difference, and I, I'll give you an idea, because they talked about this a little bit in the keynote, and I saw in the developer section later. I have no doubt at this point that Apple plans to blow away Microsoft and Sony in the console war. One of the things they showed today, they mentioned in the keynote really quickly, they showed it a little bit more in um, the developer session, was the fact that you can now use third-party game right. controllers. Right. And what they're doing is you have to get the third-party game controllers certified with the MFI cert, which is, you know, it's an iOS, you know, ready device. But developers only have to develop to the API. They don't care what that controller is, and there are two types of controllers. One with the D-pad, the shoulder buttons, the regular four buttons, and the other one was with, like, the thumbsticks and everything else. And, you know, they actually had a picture of one of the demo units that you can play with if you go to the labs. But then they had somebody come up and actually play a game. They said it took them less than a day to do this. And it was on an iPhone, and they were playing it via AirPlay or however they had it plugged in. And you wouldn't know this wasn't a console game. Yeah. And I just looked at that and said, wow, I see that. Forget PSPs, forget right. Nintendo DSs. Right. You know, you get one of these, you snap it on your device, great. Or you plug it into an iPad, yeah. and you're using AirPlay or whatever else, and all of a sudden, holy cow. Yeah. That, that, to me, that was a hidden gem that I saw that I say, Wow. And if Apple TV ever becomes the device that people think it might, imagine games on this, you're already there because you've developed for the controller with this API. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you on that one. And on, on the day that Microsoft announced the Xbox One is going to be $500, you know, I think there's that, that, that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think, to be honest with you, a little thing that st stood out to me was it became very, very clear two things for me that one um, Apple really is going to be is going to remain committed to Intel and x86 and Macs I think that you know rumors that they may ever move these to ARM processors is put to rest but at the same time it was very clear that they easily collaborated and made a point that they were collaborating with Intel on that on this Haswell ULT processor and that they had something to do with that Intel processor. Yeah, I mean, it was, ama it was amazing to see what came out. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was amazing to see, and, you know, they're the first ones out with Haswell that I know of. 
And, That's correct. And, you know, what they showed was the MacBook Air, which are available today, the um, MacBook Air 11, which used to get five hours, now gets 10 hours, I think, or nine hours, and the MacBook Air 13, which was at seven, is literally up to 12 hours. So it's as long, you know, both of them are really as long as the iPad, you know, the, the regular iPad versus the mini. Yeah. That is, I can't tell you, I know somebody who actually went and got one today and said, that's it. I wouldn't mind renting a screen. Right. And they reduced the price for more memory. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to compete with that. Yeah. One, two of the things which are really the same thing that I noticed was that, first place, I, I don't think, they barely even mentioned Microsoft. Microsoft isn't even in this discussion uh, I could be wrong when I go back and listen to it, but that's my my, my impulse or, or feeling for it. The other one is I think they're genuinely annoyed that people think that Android is uh, is winning, and uh, they had a bunch of slides up, and one of them was they talked about um, the fact that if you you have like 95 plus percent of the 600 million iOS users are using uh, version six of the software at right now. And that adoption, and if you look at the um, Android adoption rate, even the largest portion of the Android adoption rate is much smaller. So they are the number one, and if you look in terms of versions, they are easily number one in terms of operating systems. And uh, I don't think they want to sit back and and just have people think that Android is running away with it. If you you look at the most up-to-date operating system in the world, it's iOS. Well, yeah, and and I think that you know, they're, they're clearly making their overall commitment, I think, at large in these platforms that they're investing in. And, you know, I think they, when they make those points about, look, you know, we, we have the most platform share for, for versions, right, in terms of the, the most devices, that's a great developer story because you're going to write for iOS 7 and iOS 7 is going to be on the most devices of any platform, right, including Android, if those numbers stay on the trend that they are. So that's a good story, especially now to leverage. And, you know, and, and even though it's not something that's certainly a hidden gem, I think the hidden gems that are going to come more so than the ones that, that you mentioned are what developers now do with these SDKs because, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think they didn't get into. And once developers unpack this, I think we're going to see some apps that we've just never seen before. Yeah, they mentioned that there are over 1,500 new APIs, which is a heck of a lot of yeah. APIs to dig into. Um, I can tell you that during the state of the platform, you know, they were releasing Xcode 5, and there was a heck of a lot of cheering. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me when I watched um, Google I.O. was how much easier it had gotten to develop for Android. And I got to say, I don't know that Apple made it easier than what Android did, but they made a lot of things easier and a lot of things um you know, both for you know, for people who develop in groups, so it's just not one developer, and right. people who do um, any sort of development, just all the pieces that make it much much easier. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- that kind of impressed me. So you know, we're starting right out of time. I promise not to keep you guys too long. Um, let's start with final thoughts, John. Why don't we start with you? What you know? What do you walk away from here? And you know, make it as, literally take as much time as you want. My overall impression was very favorable. I usually like to sit back and wait until I've read, you know, like even a week or so, read other opinions, and uh, I'm certainly going to do that. But I came away 
feeling like they took a huge, not just a step, but a huge stride here. They, they, I felt this felt like a very good thing. But again, I was in the trees, not uh, standing back and looking at the forest. And uh, I'll be curious to see you know, how this feels in a few days. Well, I'm actually not going to let you end on that final thought because when you said that, it actually drove something in my head. One of the things that, you know, and I didn't spend enough time on Twitter and talking to people today, but one of the things you're going to hear is, well, they stole this from here, they stole that from here, they stole, you know, so like the cards from WebOS, the control center from Android, um, the fonts, whatever, from Windows Phone. Do you feel like, you know, what's your feeling on that? I want, you know, I'll let you get back to your final thought, but, I, you know, it's just an interesting approach of, well, we're doing that, well, we're doing that, or we finally caught up to Android. And- you know, I mean, I've always tr- tried to add the perspective to this that, it's, you know, f- especially if we're just putting ourselves in an iPhone or, you know, or an iPad, an iOS user's perspective, it's not really relevant what other platforms do because you're not a customer of those platforms. You know, you're not a Windows Phone platform. You're not an Android customer. And, and to be honest with you, there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who have no intentions of switching from the iPhone. So it really doesn't matter that other platforms do that. What matters is that Apple brings that key functionality to their customers, whoever those customers are on their platforms. And so, you know, I see that happen. Yeah, we can do this, we can do that. And that's great. That's great for their customers. But what matters is that those functions that matter come to the iOS customers. And I, I think that's a good point because I think that if people thought that they were getting stale, what you saw today was not only catching up, but in a lot of ways, some of it's more refined. You know, I think it was Steve Jobs who made the comment of, you don't, great, you know, great artists don't just copy. You know, they copy and improve and they, you know, and I have the quote wrong, but it was this whole piece of, you know, you looked at Control Center. It was very easy to see, you know, whereas, and I'm going to give a hit to Samsung for a moment. You look at the Samsung Galaxy 4, when you pull it down, you have like 20 buttons there. And they're going to be more there. And you kind of get lost with it. There's no real design that tells you the piece. Now, has Apple taken way too long to get here to be able to turn off Bluetooth and do airplane mode without digging into the settings? Sure. But they're here and they actually did it quite well. I mean, I don't know. I think the quote you were looking for was great artists, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the idea there is you just don't, if you, if, you, if you borrow somebody's ideas, that's plagiarizing. But if you steal their idea and make it your own, then you can do greatness with it. And it's a different thing. Of course, people attribute it to Pablo Picasso. Um, but I was going to say, one of the things, and, and this is in no ways sometimes things get twisted in no way is this an insult to Android Android makes great things I think Apple's goal is to is to um, create great integration and sometimes they don't make the cutting edge things on the outside that we like to look at and go oh look at this it's pushing the envelope and pushing the boundaries but they're making what they already have work better and, and people on the outside look at that and say well that's that's meaningless. Well, it's meaningless to you, but it's not meaningless to the people who own the iPhones because their satisfaction numbers show they're they're sure. they're very happy with those with those uh, integrations. Well, you know, and I think I could spend an entire an entire episode just talking on this subject in general. But I think you know, there's things that 
they certainly are capable of doing. I think releasing things like multitasking early could have something that they did, but they knew the trade-off would have been battery life. That you know, Android has been able to get away with that with five-inch phones and huge, you know, seventy-two hundred milliamp batteries. Something that you just can't put in the iPhone, given its you know penchant for design. So I think that if you look at that, we can you know bicker and people complain. Oh, you know, Apple's trying to you know crap on my experience, but they're making very specific decisions to preserve a certain experience. And over time, they've shown us that they do open things up when the time is right, when the ha- when the technology can support it, and you're not going to have a phone that dies in three hours. So I think those are the kind of things that trade offs get made, and and, and we can appreciate it's a thousand this. no's for one exactly. yes. That was oh. the beginning piece. Exactly. So any final thoughts, or was that it, Ben? That was it. Okay. You know, I got to tell you, I, I this is the first one I've ever attended live. I've watched the stream on a bunch of them. It's certainly an interesting experience as a first-time attendee. Um, but uh, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff here. And, you know, I can't compare it. It's a very different experience than Google I.O. or the Microsoft Build Conference, and they're each great in their own way. Um, I was happy with what I saw here. Um, I think a lot more people left here happier than yeah. um, they expected to be when they came here. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to what's next and, you know, Hopefully August or September when we see the new device um, and the little pieces that get added with that, which I think is where those next two or three things that are hidden in there that nobody can see, we'll see, and those will come out. So, you know, I want to thank you two. Thank you. Great for taking the time, Ben, John. Um, This has been terrific, and hopefully we'll attend another one of these conferences where we can do this again. Because without the music, I might add, and I'll (laughs) apologize again for that. But anyway, I just want to thank you guys and thank you guys, the listeners. Um, This has been a lot of fun. And we're actually going to try and get this up uh, tonight or tomorrow. But um, thank you. And if you have any suggestions or anything else, just tweet us at the MobileCast or on the website. And we'll have more for you later this week.